Take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 4 with me this morning. Luke chapter 4. I have chairs up here if I need them. That's good. The truth we're going to look at this morning is something uh, that you, you may not need today. Though there's probably some in here that you do need this truth today. But you might need this tomorrow, and I can guarantee that at some point in your Christian journey, you are going to need this truth. Whether you like it or not, at some point, you are going to end up in the wilderness. Sometimes you end up in the wilderness by your own choices of failure and flesh dependence But other times, you end up in the wilderness by the divine leading of the God who loves you intensely and is committed to your eternal success. You see, the wilderness is a normal stop on the spiritual journey of men and women of God. Consider these. Abraham was called to leave the comfortable land of Ur to go to an unknown wilderness, to leave the city of Haran, to live as a Bedouin in a tent in the wilderness. Joseph sat forgotten for over two years in a wilderness of Potiphar's prison. Moses ran for his life from the palace of the king, only to spend 40 Years, watching dumb sheep on the backside of the desert, as if the desert wasn't bad enough. He finds himself there, no doubt assuming that any chance of his life counting for anything was now long gone. This was his life, the wilderness. The people of Israel were led by the pillar of fire, into the wilderness after leaving Egypt before going to the promised land. Joshua and Caleb, those men who stood by faith, had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years before they could enter the land that they had spied out. David, The anointed heir to the throne spent years in the wilderness to escape his predecessor's attempts to kill him. And then, having been given the throne, he found himself once again in the wilderness. This time by the hand of one that he loved, his own son Absalom. Paul, the great apostle And Bible author and missionary was led into the wilderness of Arabia for a time after his conversion. Not to mention the years he spent in a prison cell. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, spent the sunset years of his life alone on a silent island in the wilderness. Peter, the bold one wept beyond the walls of Caiaphas' house in a wilderness of shame and failure, finding no solace 
even in the comforts of his beloved fishing. John the Baptist was taken from the physical wilderness where he was proclaiming the coming of the Messiah to enter a far more difficult wilderness of a prison cell on death row where he began to question that very same Messiah. Jesus, the beloved Son, in whom the Father was well pleased, was led into the wilderness to thirst, to hunger, to suffer, to be tempted by that same Father's own loving design. And that is where we find Jesus here in Luke chapter 4. In the wilderness. See, I want you to remember, young people, that when you are in the wilderness, it's not because you're some unique case. It's not because you're some especially unqualified spiritual project who needs extra work. It's not because you're some weirdo who doesn't measure up. The wilderness is a normal stop on the journey of men and women of God. Whether you like it or not, you will find yourself there at some point. And it may not be by your own choosing. But here's what I want us to see this morning. Your response to the wilderness is in your hands. Your response to the wilderness is in your hands. And so I'm pleading with you, even as we begin this message this morning, if you remember nothing else from this today, remember this. Don't despise the wilderness. Don't despise the wilderness. Don't allow the wilderness to drive you from the God who loves you. Let it drive you to him. Let's look here at Luke chapter 4. Verse number 1 says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness. My second senior year of college, uh, I did one of my internships out in Wyoming with evangelist Phil Prettyman, who actually is going to be here for our missions conference this year in the Youth Summit. And I'm looking forward to, to you all being able to, to hear him and be blessed by his ministry. But uh, he was planting a church in Pine Bluffs, Wyoming, just across the border into Wyoming. And so as I was leaving for that internship, second semester, um, I had to drive there uh, on my own. Didn't have anyone to go with me. And it's, it's a long trek. And uh, so I drove through Illinois, through Iowa. And uh, not too bad. I stopped uh, just across the border into Nebraska there and uh, spent the night uh, before going the rest of the trip across Nebraska. Um, and everything had been going fine, and then I really hit the challenge. Nebraska. Um, not talking about the people of Nebraska, um, but Nebraska, eight hours on a straight road, 
not a single curve. A straight road with landscape that looked about the same the whole time. Um, yeah, Brother Ditches knows what I'm talking about, all right. Um, Nebraska, uh, not my, uh, just being honest, not my most favorite state to travel through. Um, because it's kind of an um, endless wilderness. And though it has a unique beauty of its own, sort of, it's really not that enjoyable. <laughs> All right? At least by my estimation. Uh, maybe Nathaniel likes it better out there. Uh, it's not Colorado, I'll say that. <laughs> All right? I don't really enjoy that kind of wilderness. And when we talk in the spiritual realm, frankly, I don't like the wilderness either. In fact, I probably like it even less from a human standpoint. But really, nobody likes the wilderness. If you do, maybe you are weird. Um, it seems so empty, so pointless. Why am I here? What's, what's going on? You often wonder, how did I get here? And when will I, will I ever be able to leave? You might say, well, Mr. Mueller, what exactly do you mean when you're talking about, about the wilderness here, spiritually, the spiritual wilderness? What are you referring to? I'm talking about an extended period of time of spiritual emptiness, barrenness, where maybe you feel like your vision is dying. This is what God called me to do, but it seems so impossible right now. You feel like you're stuck going nowhere spiritually. As far as you know, you're right with God. You've, you're surrendered to him. You're seeking to follow him. You're, you're, you're doing your best to, to, to do what's right and serve him. But at this point, there's not any experiential reward. To use Dr. Jim's terminology, you're living by the instrument panel without the joy of the experience. While others around you perhaps are talking about blessing and fruitfulness, you feel like God's passing me by. It's confusing. You don't know where to go, what to do, and, and God doesn't seem to want to tell you. Maybe nothing makes sense. Maybe you wonder if anybody cares, if anybody understands, and maybe you feel like, like, I just want to quit everything and go live a normal life like the people around me instead of following Jesus. Have you ever felt that way? I have. Sometimes it lasts for just a short time. But other times it could be weeks on end. And humanly, it's no fun. No matter how much you try to look on the bright side of things, it is, after all, called the wilderness for a reason. But whether you like it or not, you're there. And chances are, God has led you there. Like he did with his own son. See, that's what he did with Jesus, and he had a reason, and he has a reason for you too. Look at verse number two of Luke chapter four. It says, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. 
Now, as if being in the wilderness wasn't hard enough, it can get worse. You can be in the wilderness without any food. Hungry. You just want something to satisfy that craving inside. Just a little nibble of something to remind you of what it's like to eat and to be satisfied. Being hungry is painful. It's agonizing. But sometimes God is the one who puts you in the position of being hungry so that he can make you more hungry for him and less hungry for other things. See, that's what he did with Jesus. He put him in a position where he was hungry. And he had a reason. And he has a reason for you too. Notice the beginning of verse number two there we read. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. See, there's something else you need to know about the wilderness, something about your enemy. You see, the enemy knows that when you're hungry and you're in the wilderness, you are more vulnerable to his temptation. Those moments when you seem confused and it seems that you don't have the experience and you're literally living by the instrument panel, you're saying, those are the moments when you are perhaps most vulnerable to the temptations of the wicked one. And that's why when you're in the wilderness, the devil often ramps up his attacks on your vision, upon your life itself. He tries to get your focus off of God and on to you. That's what he did with Jesus. He was trying to get his eyes off of God and on to himself. Because the devil knows that the moment he succeeds at that task, he has set you on the course of despising the wilderness and the God who led you there. And that's why in our text we see Jesus continually responding to the devil's temptations of self-focus with clear truth that kept his focus back on God. See, often when we look here at Luke chapter 4, we focus on the temptations that Jesus experienced. Or we'll have the doctrinal discussion, right, doctrine students, about peccability versus impeccability. About Jesus' temptation and, you know, could he have sinned, could he have not sinned. All of those things, those are legitimate to talk about and uh, come to Bible Doctrines class and we will. But those aren't the truths that you need when you're in the wilderness. See, the truths that you and I need are the truths that Jesus needed. And they're found in Jesus' response. And typically we just say, notice Jesus, he responded to temptation with Scripture. Well, yes, he did. He's quoting Scripture every time. But we need to stop and see what was Jesus quoting. Because that's the truth that you and I need to remember when we're in the wilderness. Because, see, if, if you want the wilderness, whenever it is that you face it, being now or in the future, we want the wilderness to drive, if you want the wilderness to drive you to your God, then you must be vigilant to keep these three truths in clear focus as you go through those times in the wilderness. So we're going to see three truths here. Three truths to keep in clear focus that will help drive us to God 
in the times of the wilderness. We find the first of these in verses 3 and 4. Notice verse number 3. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Truth number one you need to remember that you need to keep in clear focus when you're in the wilderness and when you're not. But especially when you're in the wilderness, truth number one, you need the word of God more than anything else. You need the word of God more than anything else. You see, what the devil wants you to think when you're in the wilderness, when you're in that time of hunger, that time of, of emptiness, is for things to change. If I can just finally get my hands on something to satisfy this craving, if I can just, just find a way to fill the emptiness, to escape from this wilderness, that is what I need. That's the greatest need that I have. That's what he wants you to think. But young people, that is not your greatest need. Your greatest need in that moment is right here. The living words of God. You don't need some change in the here and now to take away the hunger. You don't need some change in your circumstances. You don't need some change in your experience. You need a word from God that touches the need in your heart that's far deeper than the apparent hunger. Notice the truth that Jesus was keeping in focus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That is what you need more than anything else. You need to hear God speak to you through his word. Listen, the experiences of the wilderness, they're not fun, but that's not what you need to change. You don't need the test to get easier. You don't need the burden, the pressure to be lifted. You need a word from God. So seek it. So seek it. When you're hungry and you're in the wilderness, don't listen to the slimy serpent's hiss saying, you just need to make a way to get out of this situation. Just take it into your hands and find a way to to get out of this, to fix this, to change things. That's not what you need. Get into the word of God more than you ever have before. Let his word fill the void within. Feast on the manna from heaven. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate about, about it. Talk about it. Listen to it. Study it. Journal about it. Let God speak directly to the deepest needs of your heart. When you're alone and you're empty, when you feel lost and dry, don't try to escape the situation. Find your solace here. 
in the gentle words of your God, who, if you will meet him there, will change you in the wilderness. Can I ask you this morning, when things are happening around you that you just don't understand, and you feel overwhelmed, maybe when you're trying to do the right things, but you just still feel empty inside, when you're going through the motions of spirituality and ministry, you're doing the things you're supposed to do, but it seems like nothing happens, how do you respond? How do you respond? Do you just throw in the towel and quit? Say, well, I guess this just doesn't work. Do you try to take things into your own hands and change the situation yourself? Listen, I'm talking about the times when you're overlooked for a position or opportunity. Those times when you're praying, but you don't seem to be getting an answer. Those times when you're going through the motions of devotions, but you walk away with nothing, and it seems like day after day after day, I, I need something more. What do you do? Where do you go? Does that reality drive you away from your God, or does it put a deeper passion in your heart to say, I've got to find him. Got to find my God. See, when you're in the wilderness, you need the word of God more than anything else. I can remember my dear friend, Pastor Aquila Daramani. And some of you know him as well. Of course, Alexander does well. But during his last several years here in school, um, particularly as when I remember this, he was definitely, he had taken a trip back home and come back, you know, to finish, and he was, his heart was burning and yearning to be back in his country. And uh, being here, though he knew it was where God wanted him to be, it was a trial. It was difficult for him. Not just the fact that it was cold, um, but just the reality of not being home. It was a real challenge. And I remember being impacted as I watched Pastor Aquila make a definite decision. I've got to get this more of this. And you began to see Aquila everywhere he went. He had his Bible with him. And between class periods, you know what he was doing? He was in, in the Word of God. While he was eating breakfast, you know what he was doing? I, he could have been studying for his quiz, but he was here. Because he studied the night before. As he walked outside, he was carrying this. He was constantly reading scripture, memorizing scripture. As he was working, he was listening to 
scripture being read. He became a man of the book. Can I tell you, God brought him through that wilderness and made him the man he is. Because he said, I need this more than anything else right now. Friends, you don't want the wilderness, if you don't want the wilderness to drive you from the God who loves you, then keep this truth in clear focus, you need the word of God more than anything else. That's truth number one. Truth number two. Notice verse number five. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it, I will I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And here's Jesus' response. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Truth number two, that if you don't want the wilderness to drive you from God, but to God, you need to remember, you were made for God alone. You were made for God and him alone. See, one of the difficult realities of being in the wilderness is that you are alone. Or at least you feel like it. Nobody's there to praise you, to recognize your worth. No one's there to, to show gratitude to you or ask for your input. Everything perhaps that you've prepared to do, that you've dreamed about, seems like ain't happening. It's, uh, this it seems like it's all dying. It's in those alone times that the devil whispers in your ear, now listen, you just need to set aside some of your scrupulous standards, your, your stands that you take, and, and just get into a position of power and influence. Don't, I know those, those things, listen, so just put those aside. You can be something if you'll just, just set that aside. You can get out of this, this wilderness mess and actually have some sort of status. Just make some small concessions. I mean, God obviously has forgotten the vision that he gave you, so might as well not hold on to it. Forget about it. You can be something. You, you just need to be in a place where you can actually, you know, people can see what a valuable asset you are. And since God's plan hasn't led you anywhere but to the wilderness, just compromise on a few points and you can open the door to a whole new world of opportunity. There's just one problem with the tempter's line of reasoning. It's based on a faulty premise. See, you aren't here on earth to receive the praise of men. 
You aren't here on earth to be successful in the eyes of men and by the standards of man. You aren't here to do and be something. Your value is not based on your position. It's not based on your accomplishments. Your life isn't about you. You were made for one person and only one person. God. And God alone. That's why you're here. You're here for him, not for you. Notice Jesus' reply, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only, him only, shalt thou serve. And though we all see those words and we agree and say, Amen, that's right. There is something inside of us that rebels against it. There is something inside all of us that wants the praise of men, that wants to be successful from a human standpoint. We, we like position and power. Didn't we see that in the debate last night? Two men wanting position and power and really stuck on themselves. But we can be, maybe though we feel maybe not so blatant, we can live that way too. Caring more about what people think about us and our success and dreams than what God thinks about us. God's been dealing with me lately about this very issue, about who am I really living to please? It's so easy for us to get, to get our focus on doing things to please other people. Whether it be those around you, your classmates, your roommates, or it be Pastor Swanson or Pastor or your parents, all of those things, there's a right way to relate to authorities but who are you really living to please? See, if I'm, living, if I'm living for God and God alone, I'm going to relate to authority how he wants me to relate to authority. I'm going to relate to those around you, me how he wants me to. But I'm not going to be living for their praise. I'm going to be living for God and God alone. And there's times, I'm just, going to, I'm just being honest here, that I know that I have thought so much about what people think about me that I've been willing to disobey God to keep from having people not like me. Or possibly not like me. Or a little chance they might not like me. It's not how God intended us to live. So you and I were made for God and God alone. So if, if you're honest today, how much do you really live serving only the Lord? How much is that your motivation? 
Or how much have you allowed living for others, for success, for position, for applause, whatever it is, to be your motivation? You see, we don't need to have our eyes on men or success. Our eyes need to be fixed on God. Isn't that what Jesus was saying here? No matter how barren your experience may seem, you can still choose to praise your God, to worship Him. You can still fall on your face in awe and adoration at the thought of the majesty of the God you serve. Make your decisions based on his approval. And let the enticement of human success fly to the wind. We don't need that. That's not why we're here. Serve him. Whether you feel the rewards of that service in this moment or not. Because that is the sole reason that you and I exist. He is your creator and he is your master. So he, more than any other deserves the sweat of your brow. So, well, what does this look like? Seek him and serve him with all of your heart, even if you are never given a position of leadership. Seek him and serve him with all of your heart, even if no one ever recognizes what you've done. Seek him and serve him with all of your heart, even if you're in a small, forgotten place and nobody remembers your name. Seek him and serve him with all of your heart, even if you never hear even one word of affirmation until you stand before the throne of your Savior and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, let your time alone in the wilderness lead you back to the fundamental reason for your existence. You were made for God alone. He is the reason why you're here. So don't resist that reality. Embrace it. Embrace it. That's truth number two. You were made for God alone. We've seen that you need the word of God more than anything else when you're in the wilderness. When you're in the wilderness, you need to keep your eyes on the fact that you were made for God alone. And truth number three. When you are in the wilderness, if you want the wilderness to drive you to your God rather than from him, then you need God to direct your steps of faith. You need God to direct your steps of faith. Notice verse number 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And here's Jesus' response. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You need God to direct your steps of faith. I contemplated phrasing the point this way. 
You don't need to take pointless steps of faith just to prove you can. Whether to yourself or anyone else. You see, one of the challenges of being in the wilderness is that you can easily feel as if you're just surviving. You're just holding on. The next step of faith isn't obvious. It's not clear what you're supposed to do. You want to move forward. You want to step out in faith. But because you have no clue maybe what that step is or if it's the right time to take that step, you kind of feel just stuck trying to maintain your current position. You can even feel forgotten, forgotten by God himself. Why isn't God showing me what the next step is? Pointless. Feeling like I just need to be doing something. I just don't have a clue what it is. You see, when you're in the wilderness, your desire to just do something that has to do with the vision that God gave you, just to do something to kind of take a step forward, is so great because that vision maybe seems so far away. I just got to do something that you can easily be convinced to take a step of faith. When God hasn't told you to. That's what was happening here. Isn't it interesting here in this third temptation what the devil is doing? I just this is just fascinating to me. You know what he you know what he's doing? He's he's telling Jesus, he says, Why don't you take this step of faith based on a promise of God? Right? God said this, so take a step of faith on it. I mean, isn't that what the Christian life is all about? Taking steps of faith on the promises of God? Isn't that a good thing? But there was a problem, right? What's the problem? Notice Jesus' response. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Can I rephrase it this way? Don't presume upon God. Don't take steps of faith when God has not told you to. That was the response. Satan said, well, Jesus, why don't you do this? Step out. God didn't tell me to. Could we argue, well, Jesus could have done that. Of course he could. I mean, well, this is Jesus. It was a promise of God God didn't tell him to. You see, Jesus was so committed to the will of God that he was committed to only the will of God. I've been asked many times over my... How long have I been here? Well, a long time. Many times, uh, as I've been other places or people have come and visited... Oh, Joe, good to see you. Yeah, you've been here. You've been here a while. When are you going to move on to the next stage of your life? You know, to the next step in your life. When are you going to take that next step? And uh, my my answer is, well, I pray about it. I pray about it all the time. I love being here. I've been so helped. I've been. I'm glad that I've been here the whole time I've been here. I look back and see the hand of God. But I pray about it. The burden the Lord's given us for evangelism and so forth. Yeah, I'm, I'm praying about it. And. Uh, 
They say, well, well you, you know, there's a need over here. You could go over here. Then talk. Okay, well, let's, I can pray about that. But I'm doing the last thing God told me to do. And until he tells me to do something else, I'm not moving. Though there has been more than once within my heart a desire, I've just got to do something. I mean, boy, the need is so great man, just to get out there and be preaching. I'm, instead of sitting behind a computer designing graphics and making videos, I just, more than once, I'm just telling you, I've, I've had to wrestle with that. And I've asked God, I've prayed and fasted. God, would you show us the next step? And you know the only thing God's told me to do? Just wait. Stay put. So I'm doing the last thing God told me to do. Though there have been plenty of things, plenty of steps of faith I could have taken, but God didn't tell me to do it. And I want you to realize that when you're in those wilderness times of your life, the temptation is so great. I just got to do something. But only do it if God tells you to do it. Listen, I'm not talking about passively sitting around, doing nothing. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about being willing to be in the wilderness as you wait for God to direct your next step of faith. I'm talking about having a life that says, Lord, I will take whatever steps of faith you want me to take. And only the steps of faith you tell me to take. See, a step of faith is only as good as what it's based on. And sometimes, the step of faith that God wants you to take is to do nothing but wait. So I'm telling you, some of you guys think, I think God's leading to this person, you know, for, for my future spouse. Wait for God to direct to take a step of faith, to do anything. When it comes to ministry, boy, I think there's an opportunity here. There's, an, there's, there's a, you know, a need here at this place. Oh, man, that, would, that could be... God, do you want me to take this step? Let him lead you. You need God's direction for steps of faith. Are you committed to doing what God tells you to do and only what he tells you to do? Listen, I'm not that old. Um, I know some of you think I am, but I'm not that old. But I've been around long enough, been around here and uh, in life long enough to see more guys than I'd like to. Step out into something because they were just itching to do something. Because they felt like, oh, I, I should be doing something. And it wasn't God. And it hasn't turned out good for any of them. I'm not saying they're living in sin, but it, it wasn't It wasn't blessed by God. Because it wasn't God leading them to do it. 
Don't try to figure this stuff out humanly. Because when you're in the wilderness and you think there's got to be some way to get out of this wilderness, there's got to be some step I can take, we can come up with a lot of good ideas. They're just not God's ideas. Don't run from the wilderness. Run to your God. You see, when you're your wilderness, it's not going to last forever. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you're saying, Mr. Mueller, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm in that wilderness. What you described, I feel like that even right now. That's, that's where I'm at. Just, I'm, I'm wrestling with that. It's not going to last forever. I don't know how long it will be. For Jesus, it was 40 days. For Moses, it was 40 years. But I do know this. It will probably be longer than you want it to be. Something about the wilderness always is. But if you'll remember these truths, you need the word of God more than anything else. You were made for God alone. And you need God to direct your steps of faith. Then you can allow your wilderness days to draw you nearer to the God who loves you more than you can even imagine. Whether you feel like it right now or not, whether you can feel his love or not, he loves you. And he didn't lead you into the wilderness by accident. It wasn't a mistake. He loves you. And you, like Jesus, can come out of that wilderness. Notice verse number 14. And Jesus returned into the pow- in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. Listen, friend, you, like Jesus, can come out of the wilderness with the hand of God upon your life and make an eternal impact on those around you. That's far beyond what you can imagine. But you've got to respond right to the wilderness. You've got to allow the wilderness to do its work in you. Are you in the wilderness today? You need the word of God more than anything else. You were made for God alone. And you need God to direct your steps. Maybe you're not in the wilderness today. Are you prepared for a time in the wilderness? You need the word of God more than anything else. You were made for God alone. You need God to direct your steps of faith. Listen, friend, don't waste your wilderness opportunity. Don't let a wrong response hinder what God wants to do. Yield to the lessons of the wilderness and allow its full work to be done in you. Wherever you are today, your response is in your hand. Don't let the wilderness drive you from the God who loves you. Let it drive you to Let's bow for prayer.